Welcome to the Sports Jerks Podcast, land of the hot take and home of the let's get physical, physical. My name is Josh and with me as always is my cousin, co-host and overall decent guy, Dan Ippolito. Dan, buddy, how is your day going? It's going well, man. Thank you. Thank you. That's some of the nicest things you've ever said about me. I was halfway decent. Yeah, don't. Don't get used to it. <laughs> okay, I won't. I won't. It's a beautiful day today, man. Finally, we get some sun, man. After all this this darkness that everyone's been experiencing for the last year, it feels like now. And uh, uh, to see the sunshine out has gotten me in a physical, physical mood. <laughs> but first, before we get started, let's go ahead and point it over to Izzy at the corrections department. Izzy. Holler. It's your girl Izzy from the Sports Jerks Corrections Department. While the sports jerks were partly right. This is the first year Washington Wizards guard Bradley Beal will be in the All-Star starter, but it is indeed his third All-Star selection. He was also voted as a reserve in 2018 and 2019. See you next week, jerky boys. Thanks, Izzy. Yeah, last week when we had our special guest, Teddy, and again, thank you, Teddy, for coming on. Um, We couldn't remember exactly if it was Bradley Beal's first time being selected as an all-star so we were right in the sense that it was his first all-star starting selection so first time being voted in by the fans but he is now a three-time all-star having been voted in by the coaches so thank you Izzy for that correction now Daniel this Saturday okay Saturday (laughs) I want to do like a WWE promotion UFC 259 is on the docket. I got to say, this is the most excited I have been for a UFC card in a while. Man, I was doing my homework all day today when I was on the clock. I should have been working. <laughs> I was watching promos. I was watching uh, I was watching recaps and highlights and following the storylines. Uh, shout out to Axiom Films on YouTube for the great compilation. And uh, he had a sweet trailer preview sort of thing that really set up the narrative. Uh, between these two fighters, we have Aresanya or Arasanya. Israel Arasanya. Uh, I've been hearing that he prefers now to go by Arasanya is the proper pronunciation. What do you? Have you heard this? I, I mean, I haven't. It took me, I would say, about six hours to get just uh, Jan Blahowitz, uh his pronunciation down. So Arasanya just seemed like it would be a bit easier. But if you say it's Arasanya and he says it's Arasanya, then I uh, will take that as a fact. But before we get into the main event, I want to set a little bit of the table. There are three title fights this weekend. There are three. Last week, we only got into really like the two, and at a very high level today, we can get into a little bit more detail. But first, the undercard is actually pretty decent. Dominic Cruz is fighting. Joseph Benavidez is taking on Askarov. Like, there are actually some no-joke fighters on the preliminary card. But as soon as you get to the main card, that's three title fights. And two of those people hold multiple titles well at least the Manny Nunes holds two titles and then we have two titles facing off in the main event and then Peter Yan is defending his bottomweight title against all Jermaine Sterling so if anybody doesn't know Peter Yan is 15 and 1 he is on a 10 fight win streak he has yet to lose to anybody in the UFC Aljamain Sterling 19 and 3 also on a good win streak of five wins I'm really interested to see how this goes. And the fact that, Dan, when when have you, like outside of WrestleMania, when are you seeing three titles go down in one event, man? Never. 
Never. And it's funny because, you know, early, uh, you know, years back, Dana White, I, as I understand it, wasn't really on board with people carrying multiple titles at once. Uh, right. Conor McGregor kind of ushered that era in of these he did. You know, multi-decorated fighters. So it's crazy to see where things are now, right? And that's what's so exciting to long-term fans and casual fans too, right? Because that storyline's in your face, right? And outside of WrestleMania... You're not going to see that much gold being exchanged or being defended. Right. Right. For sure. Especially between like legitimate bona fide stars here too. Like Amanda Nunes is very well, probably inarguably the best woman's UFC fighter ever. Mm -hmm. She's beaten every other person that could be even considered to be at the top of their class. Mm -hmm. And she has mopped the floor with all of them. Uh, For all you betting junkies out there, she's actually... A minus twelve hundred, meaning you have to bet twelve hundred dollars to win a hundred dollars on this fight. So it's safe to say she is a massive overdog. I still think it's easy money, to be honest. We talked about it last week. Anderson is a is quite a bit bigger. Like you don't run into you know too many fighters of her size. She's six feet tall. She's definitely on the rise. She's eleven and four, which is you know it's 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 not anything to be you know, scoffed at, like, obviously she's on the up, but Amanda Nunes is just, you know, she's the bona fide best. She beat Ronda. She beat Misha Tate. She beat Chris Cyborg. Chris Cyborg looks like she could beat about 50 people up at once (laughs) and she dominated her. Okay. So I, I just, I am, I am so excited. I'm going to give my, I'm going to give three predictions this week. And I think I would like you to give your predictions too. (laughs) So we'll predict all three title fights. We'll start with the one I just talked about. Jan defends his bantamweight title against Sterling. Now, here are little stats to consider before you make your predictions, okay. Daniel. I'm listening. Jan's takedown accuracy is 53% as opposed to Sterling's 29, and his takedown defense is 87% as opposed to Sterling's 51. Jan also has significantly more power. He's actually knocked out about 47% or TKO'd 47% of of his wins have come by TKO as opposed to Sterling who goes the distance you know a lot more often which is not necessarily a bad thing the last time i i i made a prediction and i went against the person who goes to decision a lot they ended up going to decision and winning but i think in this case yon has more power he has better takedown accuracy and he has better takedown defense so for me it's kind of like he's just going to control the tempo and the pace no matter where it goes mm-hmm. and i just mm-hmm. can't seem you know, if he if, if striking isn't working, he has a better chance of taking it down. As opposed to Sterling, if he kind of gets stuck, I think he's permanently stuck. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's just you, you can't really ignore the discrepancy between the numbers in that one there, right? Um, right. And like you said, he, he, he significantly outweighs and outranks him uh, in, in those spots where he can control the game, take him down and stay down. Right. Yeah. And, and or if you want to stay up and bang, Knock him out. he's way more powerful. Mm-hmm. And if he ever happens to get caught or he doesn't like how it's going, he could take it down and, and he can just push the tempo. So for me, I think Jan uh, is easy money here. I, I've been saying that a lot. So maybe I should just <laughs> say uh, he's my choice for the win. As far as betting odds go, they're actually 
uh, even right now. Oh, really? So they're both minus 110. So, I mean, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people are putting this at a coin flip. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going with my man, Jan. Where where are you sitting for this one? Yeah, you know what? You sold me on that one. And I shouldn't be sold by a snake oil salesman <laughs> like yourself when it comes to betting odds based on your track record on this <laughs> program. But Fair enough. Um, but this time you do come with some pretty sound uh, numerative arguments uh, with the stats. And you know what? I can side with you. I'll go with Jan on that one, too. Okay, so we're one and one. I think the co-main event, I don't even know if it's worth talking about anymore. Yeah, and it, yeah. and Anna Nunes is going to take this fight. I think that it's more interesting to even say, does Anderson over under get past round 2.5? Under. No. So you take the under. Yeah. Okay. I take the under, All right. Yeah. You know what? I uh I will be the I will be the other end of that, and I'm going to say she's going to end up losing at the in the middle of the th- at the end of the third round. So I'll take I'll take the I'll take the over. Okay, take the over. You'll be the devil's avocado. The avocado, indeed, <laughs> sir. Okay. okay, now we get to the main event, which I think has, you know, on paper, Adesanya is, you know, he's more skilled. He is smaller. He's not even. I saw the other day he was closer to like 193 pounds. They'll have the weigh-in tomorrow. So he's going to be coming in a lot smaller than Blahowitz. Mm-hmm. But before we get into the stats of this, I was actually, I was looking at John Jones's um, Instagram the other day, and he literally had a, a video of Adesanya talking about moving up weight classes and like just basically calling him a bum and a loser. And and the story is apparently, and I've heard a few fighters talk about this, is that Adesanya had the chance to move up divisions already. And John Jones wanted that fight, which would have been a super fight of all super fights. Because mm. like I said, Adesanya kind of reminds me of a younger and a little bit smaller version of John Jones. And yet suddenly he waited for John Jones to make the jump to heavyweight. And then suddenly Adesanya says, you know what? I'm ready to make that jump against, you know, somebody like Jan Blachowicz. So do you think, do you think that's a, you think that's a soft move by him? Or do you think John Jones is just talking shit because he wants that fight, you know, a year or two from now? Uh, A little bit of both. There is something there for sure. Like the timing is suspect, right? And I don't know if you talk to Izzy Aresanya, he would have you believe that 2021 was always the goal. Right, right, and and I believe he said as much uh, in my readings from earlier in my prep. I, I believe he said as much that twenty twenty one was always the goal. But if you have to come out and say, uh, no, no, uh, it was always the way uh, I did on purpose, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think you know we have enough life experience to know those guys are typically you know full of some shit. Not maybe not, especially yeah. He talked a little bit about like oh, I don't know if it's a good time just because mm-hmm. of COVID yeah. and fights getting canceled. So that's a little suspect, suspectito. Yeah, and he's been really busy the last year. Right? He's been pretty active. Yes. So I don't know what he's yes. talking about in terms of COVID. Nobody's more active than him <laughs> during COVID, right? So, uh, no, it, it's looking to be good, man. And I know there's a, a big size difference, right? Uh, other people that Arrestinia has taken down in the past, they made note of it, right? They're, they're good talkers, too. And they always said he's skinny guy, little guy, yeah. and he takes them down, right? And, and, he, and he knocks with the best of them. So, um, I, I think the size difference is, of course, like the first thing that pops out into your eyes um, but again, you can't sleep on Blachowicz. The Polska, he's got Polska power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't look past those Eastern Europeans. No, he's got Polska power. He says it as much. That's awesome, man. Um, I love when guys rep their country, stuff like that, and have fun with it. But yeah. he, he's huge, right? And and the difference is huge. Uh, the age difference there, I believe there's a sizable age difference, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yeah, huge. I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm pretty sure Blahowitz is about 37. So mm-hmm. he's on the back end of his career mm-hmm. here, where Adesanya, I believe, is in his mid 20s. So there is there is a big difference. So does that does that play a does that play a role here at all? Yeah, I I, I mean I I would say that the biggest factor in this fight is that Adesanya is so light on his feet. He comes in and out and strikes honestly like a viper, like a snake. Like he sits back and bang, 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 and he's Mm -hmm. in and out so fast. And I think he has that ability, uh, you know, partially because of, you know, genetics and his athleticism, but also partially that he's young. He hasn't lost Mm -hmm. that step yet where somebody like Jan, if he ever had it, I, I, you know, I don't think he's the most athletic guy in the world. Um, but you know he would have he would have lost that a little bit. I think it's one of those ones for me. Blahowitz, he's twenty seven and eight. He is very well rounded. I'll give him that. He's known as you know Polska power. He's got heavy hands. I think that is his best chance of winning this. Is that he does catch uh, Adesanya. I I can't remember how to pronounce it. How did you say to pronounce it now? Aresanya. I hope I'm right on Aresinia. that. But I did hear that from multiple uh, guys in the know. It's tough for me when they they change pronunciations like uh, like Marshawn versus Marchand mm-hmm. like it, it just it messes with my brain. But anyway, you know Polska Power is the 14th ranked pound for pound fighter on the planet. He has a black belt. He's won fights by submission. He's won fights by knockout. He has five performances of the night too. So he's well, I would say the underdog. I think that he has ability to win the fight wherever it goes. I just think Adesanya is so dominant especially on his feet that I just can't see I just can't see it going any other way unless he gets caught like we saw what happened last week between Blades and Lewis right Blades is a you know arguably at least he's a more athletic fighter he's a bit more of a well-rounded fighter but look he couldn't take him down and then he goes for a bad takedown he gets hit with the uppercut the fight's over in two seconds right and Jan has that power okay so let me ask you this question I'll frame it this way if both fighters stay on their feet tomorrow or sorry Saturday I'm getting ahead of myself I'm dying for that weekend uh, if both <laughs> yeah. fighters stay up, stay on their feet, who wins? I still think Adesanya wins because I think that he'll be able to pick him apart. Mm-hmm. I think he's a smart fighter. I don't think – I think that – you know, you. I heard him talking about his – after his fight against Paulo Costa. So his last fight against Paulo Costa to, to, to control the belt, Paulo Costa was undefeated too, and he was known for his heavy hands, and they said the same thing, that he is he has a chance of catching Adesanya and, and taking him out. But he picked him apart. He picked him apart with leg kicks, right? He broke down his structure. Mm-hmm. It was he, he had an inability to move effectively after that. And then that pretty much sealed his fate. And listening to... I'm just going to call him Adesanya from here no on problem. out. I'm just, no worries. I, okay. I, I, can't, I can't even pretend. Okay. I'm, I I'm not his grandmother. I don't, mind, I don't mind. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he talked about after the fight mm-hmm. is that Paulo Costa in the middle of it tried to take a page out of Adesanya's book, baiting him in. He wanted to bait him in because he couldn't catch him. Mm-hmm. And he knew that, right? So when you watch, like Nate Diaz used to be big on this. He puts his hands down. He shakes his head mm-hmm. at his opponent. And sometimes it's just to throw them off their game, like Conor McGregor, for example. But in this case, Adesanya smelt blood because of that. Because he's like, in his head, he's like, okay, if he could hit me, he would just hit me. But instead, he's baiting me to come in because he can't catch me because I'm too fast. So he just started chopping his leg, chopping his leg. Then his hands drop, boom, then he goes up top. And then, you know, he stuns him and then he grounded, pounded him out. I kind of see that happening here again. Yeah, and Israel's beaten fighters faster than Blakovich. So that's the thing, right? I mean, if you can't catch him, 
and he's going to, you know, administer death by a thousand cuts, you know, retreating yeah. and then coming in for a couple retreating. He's so fast and he can evade so well that, yeah, I agree with you. It's going to be almost like, uh, like, like a bee stinging a bear, right? But the bear's so slow, not going to be able to eventually, yeah, yeah. eventually he succumbs yeah, to those yeah. things. Right. So, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm on board with you a hundred percent there. And like I said, uh, Izzy Arasenya is such a, so entertaining. And I think he is, so I think he's about to be the face of the UFC, man. What do you think? I agree. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I, I, you know, even if he gets caught, I mean, it'll send him back a little bit as far as just star power, but he is so interesting. He's so electric that I, I agree. I think that the super fight that the world is waiting for is him versus John Jones. Cause mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's a lot of talk about uh, GSP coming back and fighting Habib. I mean, I feel like that's a long shot just at GSP's age where John Jones is going to make his debut pretty soon at the heavyweight level he's very likely going to get a title shot right out of the gate just because of his skill set i think you know whether if he wins that you know it might it might change things up a bit because obviously he can't it you know it's a little bit harder if he starts to weigh in at 230 that he's going to cut down it, it, it just it complicates things a bit but i think down the line that is the fight that the world is waiting for i was listening to the legendary boss rootin talk about this fight though and <laughs> And he he actually made a couple good points in that he said Jan can only win this fight if his cardio comes in at a level that he's never been at before and he pushes the fight and takes it to Adesanya. If he sits back in the pocket and waits for that big shot, he's very likely, like you mentioned, Dan, going to get picked apart with shots and he's going to lose. And whether that's in four rounds or it goes to decision, he is going to lose. Boss Rutten said he must attack and he must attack a lot. He does have a ton of skills. Get him up against the cage. Take him down. Mix it up. Go for submissions. Go for those shots. You have to throw him off. If he doesn't come with that level of cardio, though, because Adesanya is a lot lighter and he's Mm going to have that Mm -hmm. cardio, then... Uh, you know, barring a lucky shot, he he doesn't really have a chance of winning this. So then, just to cap off this segment, then who walks away with what title at the end of Saturday night? I think, uh, you know, just a little recap. Jan walks walks away uh, retaining his bantamweight title. I think that um, Amanda Nunes goes home, and she is still the bantamweight, and she's the featherweight title holder. And then I think that Adesanya becomes the light heavyweight champ and obviously holding on to his middleweight title as well. That's awesome, man. I can't wait for Saturday. That's going to be fun. Good thing you and I got that hookup with a little bit of a nice television <laughs> we can watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll be definitely awesome. be uh, paying for that pay-per-view, that's for sure. <laughs> anyway, moving forward now, I want to switch over to the NHL yes. real quick, Josh. And there's a bit of okay. a, there's a bit of a goalie storyline developing in the North yes. Division. Okay, and it has to do with yes. backup goaltenders. So we have the Toronto Maple Leafs on sort of an unprecedented tear for them uh, yep. and for a, well, for a lot of teams, right? You're shutting down and closing down the Edmonton Oilers, two shutouts, and then a one, one goal allowed in the third game, riding just Michael Hutchison and Campbell. So what, what do you make of that? Freddie Anderson, I think Freddie Anderson, actually, if I'm mistaken, Freddie Anderson, did he play yesterday? Yeah, he did. So he, did he got the win. Um, yeah, he got the win. 26 saves, one goal against. Um, I think that Toronto is in a bit of a, a tougher situation than the teams that we're going to get into later. But I think that they're actually in a pretty good position because Frederick Anderson has not been bad by any stretch of the imagination. He's 12-3 and 2 this year. He's got a pretty good save percentage. He's looked... 
He's looked pretty good. I mean, we've talked about it. He's not like, you know, he's he's one of the worst like puck moving goalies. He tends to flop around. It has shown in the past that you know he kind of has fallen apart in like serious playoff games. So I like the fact that Campbell is. You know, kind of barking, you know, barking up his tree. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they're ever going to push him ahead of Freddie. No. I think, though, they should give him a few more starts for two reasons. Number one, why not let Freddie stay a little fresher going into the playoffs? I know he's kind of young. I know, you know, goalie being a goalie in the NHL really is about repetitions, and there is a line between rest and rust. So they do have to watch for that. But I would love to see it. If Jack, if he's playing well... Get him in there because it not only will rest him, but it hopefully will push him to do better to say, you got to level up, especially come playoff time. If they go to the playoffs this year and they go down 0-2 in a series, pull him. You have nothing to lose. So I think it's really good that they have this option. And like you said, Hutchison puts up a 31 save shutout too. That doesn't hurt either. No, not at all. And not to say that they're in trouble or anything like that, because they're, they're well taken care of now. And that's not something you could say about the Leafs for a long-ass time, man. Like, Ferry Anderson, 25 at least other teams would kill to have somebody like him. Like, he's a for good sure. goalie. But I know that after the Ottawa Senators, the, the 5-1 debacle a few weeks back, I know that yeah. Leafs fans were really ragging on him. Um, yeah. And then, of course, he got hurt. So it's never good when you have a shit performance and then you get hurt, right? You can't really have that bounce back. Um, but then you have Jack Campbell and Mike Hutchison coming in and sort of rescuing the day. Uh, and you can, I think you can get more out of Freddie Anderson if his backups are actually competent. So Agreed. what I would do, of course, the Leafs are going to lock up first place, right? Yes. Barring, a, so. barring a, a natural disaster or something, maybe second, but they're going to the playoffs. And I think that they need to rest Fred Anderson. Like you said, though, rest and rust. Of course, they're NHL coaches. They get paid to figure that out, not myself. Yep. But they <laughs> should definitely give him more days off than not. Um, just to rest him for the playoffs, right? Because now you have two guys behind you that can actually win you tons of games. Apparently. Because yeah. like McDavid and yep. Dryslide the last couple of games. Shut out. Which is crazy. I think that some of it has to do with kind of what we had talked about in the past, like guys like bigger guys on the back end, like Bogosian and just Muzzin kind of fitting into his niche and less, you know, less time for a guy like Tyson Berry out there is also ha- helping. But I mean, exactly what you said, right? Campbell this year is 3-0 and with a 9.54 save percentage. Hutchinson is 3-1 and with a 9.43 save percentage. That is uh, you know, obviously, I, I, I'm going to say it's elite level goaltending, which it is obviously over mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. they had played 20 games. I can't expect their no. numbers to be that way. No. I think that Jack Campbell could be a 1B goalie pretty much on any NHL team right now. Right now. At least the way yeah. he's playing. Yeah, the way he's playing yeah. now, yeah, for sure. For sure. And I yeah. think he could, you know, float around on most of the teams in the league um, for sure. Um, but, you know, the, we've seen worse goalies take teams on magical runs. you got the Hamburglar run from a couple of years back, right? You, you see yeah, a lot of times you, yeah. see, you see backup goalies come up and do something stellar. Mike Condon, again, another guy who yeah. made a career to have, out of being a backup, right? Just kind of having flash in the pan seasons. But to yeah. have two of them at the same time is an embarrassment of riches that the Leafs didn't really need. But that's going to be the thing that's going to actually make them scary for real this time. Yeah, and I mean, and you know what the kind of beauty of this too is that if Anderson really shits the bed in the playoffs again, they are basically going to be forced into a position to say, who is the future goaltender 
of the Toronto Maple Leafs because there there would be argument to make if they have another horrible playoff that it's not him. Oh no, of course. So of course. Absolutely. Yeah. So having these two goalies riding up his ass gives a little bit of a little bit of leeway. I have another goalie situation in the NHL, and it's something that you have talked about since you know I think episode one is the goaltending scenario in Montreal. Ooh. So for anyone who doesn't know, Carey Price this year is six four and three with an eight ninety three save percentage and two point nine six goals against average. His backup goalie, on the other hand. Jake Allen is 4-2-2 two two with a 9.29 save percentage and a 2.12 goals against average. So here's the thing. Here, here is the conundrum, okay, <laughs> is that, number one, I don't, like I said, I don't think Carey Price is going to ever win a Stanley Cup. I just don't see it. I think he's one of the, he's a fantastic goalie. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of those ones. He's going to always find a reason not to win. It'll always be, he'll always be that guy. It'll always be one of those like, oh, it was a high stick. That's why we lost. It's like, no, it's like you, you made a lot of mistakes. That being said, it is really hard to not play your highest paid player as much as possible. Right. So imagine now, like, because you had kind of talked about it a lot, that it's a one A one B scenario. But the way they've been kind of running the team, it's kind of like a very clear. Carey Price is your starting goalie, and Jake Allen is your backup. He's playing a little bit more, I would say, than your your standard backup. But at the same time, during a COVID year, all backups are kind of playing a little bit more. So, what do you make of the situation in Montreal? And if you were at the helm, would you have? You know, would you consider benching Carey Price a little bit more, at least to test and see how that looks? They're in such a bad spot because obviously, you know, that contract was signed with his past performance, right? Based on right. based on who he was and who we all think and hope he can, you know, return to in some way, shape, or form, right? That's Olympic Carey Price. That's legendary Canadian Carey Price, right? The one that we all love. And the one that we've all celebrated all these years. So it's it's hard because at one point in time, the market gave him that contract. That's what he was worth, right? It's like mm-hmm. you can't fault the guy for signing it. You can fault the team for offering it, but some team was probably going to offer it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. At that point, he was undeniably the number one goalie in the league when he signed yeah. it. Oh, oh, 100%. 100%. So someone was going to get saddled with that. You know, it's unfortunate that it's Montreal or depending if, you know, maybe if you're a Leafs fan, maybe it's fortunate that it's Montreal, sure. but uh, I wouldn't, I don't envy the decision makers over there, man. Having a bench, a $10.5 million man, um, you know, they went out and got Jake Allen and knowing that it was going to be a 1A, 1B sort of structure this year, right? With all the back-to-backs mm-hmm. and, and the schedule being what it is, but yeah. it, it can't feel good to have a goalie at that price tag with those numbers. Now the team's playing like poo in front of them too, especially during this recent little stretch. Um, And they had a lot of games and a lot of nights, but still they, they, they aren't playing great in front of them. But that's the thing though. When you, when your price tag as a goaltender goes like North of like six and a half, seven million. And I would include like Matt Murray in this too. Um, You know, the goalie he faced off against the other night. Um, You're sort of expected to bail your team out more often than not. Would you say? You know, you got to steal some games, yeah. right? Or you got to at least give them a chance to be competitive. Yeah, and and they haven't been. 
and they haven't been. No. They have. I mean, like you said, they're kind of on like a downslide, and they fired the coach. So obviously, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go ahead. Like I'm not here to say that Carey Price has been playing like total shit. Mm-hmm. He's definitely been playing worse than he should. So mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. My my thing is though is that I think with NHL goaltending in general is a lot of goalies because there's only you know what thir- there's only 30 starting jobs in the world mm-hmm. right in the whole world there's only so many starting goalie positions so a lot of the time i feel a goalie doesn't really get his shot until he's like 27 28 barring like the guy in front of him going down with injury you are at a you know at a younger age like uh like like hart in philadelphia mm-hmm. he kind of like at a young age he kind of got you know, pushed into a major role, but that is the exception to the rule. So not that Jake Allen is young. My point is, is that Carey Price is in his goaltending prime. He's making a ton of money, but if he's not playing well, how do you as the coach just sit him a couple extra games, go to that like old school GTHL hockey rule of every other game, flip the goalies. Because if Jake Allen keeps stealing you wins and keeps putting up a better save percentage, you're either a doing your team a disservice by mm-hmm. p- playing Carey Price, you know, or B you need to you need to consider long term about what you want to do. But hopefully, it motivates Carey Price because he probably is still a better goalie than Jake Allen to figure it out. For sure, and you know, it's a fine line to walk because you gotta have you gotta play the guy in order to keep him you know keep him warm, and it, yeah. it, it's a gamble. It's a gamble. But again, I think my personal take on this is that they'll be fine. The Habs are gonna make the playoffs. Um, yeah, not gonna have a problem, and I think that uh, ultimately Carey Price is their guy, um, and let's just hope that things don't just fall off, right? We've seen a couple goalies fall off in the last couple of years, right? I mentioned Matt Murray, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, even Pekka Rinne, right? Fell off, sort of similar yep. similar age yep. to Carey Price, but uh, I'm thinking Carey yep. Price is a different pedigree, and I'm thinking long term, Habs are gonna make the playoffs, they're gonna be fine. Um, and I think one stellar series, one stellar goaltending performance series will just make all this a moot point. Yeah, it'd be interesting actually to see what happens if, uh, you know, they get into the first round and Carey Price is maybe on a downswing and they start Jake Allen. And he starts stealing them games, what that actually looks like. Because Jake Allen is not like some nobody. Like he's on, you know, he he's on the back end of his career. But, you know, he put up really good numbers in St. Louis last year. So, I mean... I think that he is a very competent, potentially starting goalie. But moving on, we have an update. It's an update from our episode five. He was our jerk of the week since there has been some movement. His jerky name is Mickey Calloway. For anyone that missed that episode or or does not remember who that loser was, uh, <laughs> Angels pitching coach and former Mets manager Mickey Calloway has been uh, was suspended by the Angels for allegations of inappropriate behavior towards several women in sports media. He sent unsolicited texts, shirtless pics. Uh, one person spoke about him rubbing their shoulders in the dugout when no one was around, saying that he would give information if they would come out and party with them, commenting on his appearance. I can keep going. Two women said that they they were warned by others about him. He eventually denied all wrongdoing. He was suspended with pay while an allegation, um, you know, has been has and still is going on. But there has been an update, Dan. Tell the people what it was. Well, it's the story's kind of. Uh, I made this reference way on back uh, in the first episode, but the story kind of has layers like an onion. 
and it's starting to unravel, and that onion is one of the smelliest I've ever smelled if I did smell one before. So <laughs> the Cleveland Indians' whole entire organization seems to have been aware it was an open secret, quote-unquote, uh, that Mickey Calloway was a predator and uh, sort of like a sexual miscreant, just overall dirty, greasy guy. Um, Chris Antonetti, uh, Indians president, said he cannot comment on, right. on this going right now, of course, because the investigation is ongoing. Uh, but there was a publication made by Nick Francona, who is the son of Tito Francona, of course, Indians manager. Uh, and I apologize, I shouldn't even be using that outdated offensive name. We should be calling them the Cleveland right. Baseball Club. Those guys are just shitting all over the place this offseason, eh? I know. They have not. They, have, they can't do Their anything. Their team sucks. Right. They suck. They're fucking. Yeah. Oh, my God. They're, How embarrassing. Yeah, staff sucks. Just trash. Yeah. They're racist. Their hot dog vendor. He sucks. His hot dogs are dry. <laughs> one fucking sucks over there. But anyway, um, he, he named Chris Antonetti and his own father as being complicit in this whole thing. Um, and, and suggested that, you know, their mindsets uh, align even more closely with Mickey's than the public is aware of. Uh, so that was on Twitter. That kind of caught fire earlier in the week, um, and, and it just kind of spread from there. So what do you do about this? This, is, this investigation has taken a little bit long, in my opinion. Like, are the Angels now looking sort of, is the stink rubbing off on them for just not completely severing ties? I know you can't really go against contracts and investigations yeah. and processes like that but you know maybe come out and say something maybe can can you do that i i think technically just because of labor relation laws that they they don't have that ability right mm -hmm. because what if it turns out obviously it's true so mm -hmm. don't get you know don't get me of wrong course. but let's say in a scenario where they spoke before you know the information was found and then it turned out that he was not in the wrong then he could obviously turn around and sue his employer because he wrongful, would, you know, it'd be detrimental that, yeah, wrongful, you know, it would be detrimental to his job mm -hmm, essentially. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't really fully blame the angels. What the angels need to do right now is figure out, was this happening in their clubhouse? Mm. And if so, mm -hmm. who knows about it? Who has information about it? And if it is true that it has happened under their watch, they need to, in my opinion, get in front of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, I understand that they probably can't. I think it, it's even interesting because it has touched the Blue Jays a little bit because uh -huh. GM Ross Atkins had to come out because he also worked in Cleveland at the same time as Callaway. And he basically has publicly stated that he had he had no idea that this was happening, but that he is upset that it was going on while he was there and that he took responsibility that he did not know that it was happening. Um, you know, while he was employed by the same baseball club. So it is a weird one. I think that this is a story that is going to continue to develop. I think that typically too is like, it sounds like this was not, obviously we already know it was not a one-off thing. It uh, Five women have come forward. I anticipate based on his age and how long that he's been in baseball, that the numbers are going to be quite a bit higher, right? Um, so I think that this is going to definitely continue to develop. Yeah, and so how much how much credence can we put into I, I you know obviously we don't know the ins and outs of how, you know, communications and stuff like that work in a major league ball club, but can you believe these figures who say they had no idea? I think it I think for me it probably depends on how close they are to 
uh, to the team. Because like you said, there's so many moving parts in such a big organization, mm-hmm. right? They're on the road a lot. They're, you know, so I could see something like your ownership group is likely not on the field to monitor this. And they hire people that are supposed to be, there needs to be checks and balances, of right? Course. So I think who, you know, I think it's borderline impossible that any kind of other coach around him didn't know. It's also very unlikely that any player at that time didn't know. They might not have known the severity of it, right? Because they can't see his phone. Mm-hmm. But you can see when somebody is being inappropriate with people. But then that's where the line is, right? Did they see what did they see? Did they see him, you know, um, you know, uh, make a joke, make like a sexually suggestive joke, or did they see him? touching them, asking them to come out. Either way, not that one is necessarily different than the other. It's kind of like, was it a slip up? Did they see him slip up one day or is this a systemic problem? I think though, all to say, it would be very difficult for anyone really close to the organization to not see somebody acting like that because it's clear that it happened on several occasions. Well, the Cleveland baseball team is also saying, um, and I believe Tito Francona was aware of this as well. And Chris Antonetti, their president, um, the one thing they said that they were aware of was that he was having an extramarital affair with a woman and then the woman's husband got mad. Okay. So that's something. So they know he's a sexual deviant, right? I mean, if you're having an affair with someone's wife, like why, why is anyone like find that out anyway? Like how public, but that's it. Yeah, that one's kind of a tough one though, because we've talked about somebody like Tiger Woods in the past, yeah. where he got he got caught for sleeping around. Yeah, that's too, whatever though. But, that, that's like that's their private life. That's you figure it out. You know, if you want to be, if you want to be. But it, but if Callaway had not been caught for the sexual allegations, it would have been he was cheating on his wife with a consensual partner, which then suddenly does not become a baseball problem. That just becomes like, okay, he's a shitty, yeah. he's a shitty husband. Yeah. And that's not a problem at all. So it's like, if you're, well, I mean, not for us, cause we're not married to him or uh, the, Correct. the, his mistress or whatever, but right. But I guess that came to light once these kind of dirtier and more, you know, harassment based sexual allegations came to light because the Indians and the organization, you know, just based on Twitter and based on the little snippets that are now out there, you can find them anywhere. Um, They take responsibility for knowing about that affair, Um, but they didn't know that it permeated and that he was creepy towards other people as well. Right. And that, and, and, you know, logically speaking, that would be, that would, that's plausible. It is, but I think they're compartmentalizing, you know, when someone gives you a little part lie, Yes, but now I think that that's now that we have all that information. Yes. Right? Where, you know, I could see if you had a coworker and they talked to you and they said, oh, man, like I'm I'm cheating on my spouse. Your instinct isn't going to be to get that person fired because, no. again, it's if it's a consensual relationship, it is what it is. But then a year later you hear, okay, he also was doing X, X, and X. Now suddenly that first thing seems worse than it was when that was the only knowledge you had that's a good point that's a really good point yeah because then it becomes a pattern of just sexually deviant behavior around the workplace right exactly and the fact that it did follow him to work obviously isn't good for him but again if that was a standalone thing that could just be an unfortunate byproduct of being a shitty husband but anyway the mickey calloway story is going to continue to evolve we will try to keep you guys updated i will say though spring training is here we will be talking more baseball Mm -hmm. so things are looking brighter because the off season for baseball has been devastating with all of these jerks. So I look forward to watching the good guys play. Now, moving on, Dan, not for nothing. 
but the Houston Rockets should not be retiring James Harden's number. I have been in countless Instagram arguments about this. It's pretty much everyone under 16 is like, yes, you definitely should. Number one, okay, it you don't hand out jersey retirements like they're going out of style, right? You know what you do? When they come to town for their first game back, every team does this, you put on a little tribute, a little nice video. What a good guy. All the things he did for you, fantastic. That's it. Sever ties. You don't retire the guy's jersey. And that is for a number of reasons. There's, n- I, I don't even know where to begin. It's not even close for me. He brought... No titles, zero titles, not even a real, not even, okay. He brought them success that they had not seen in a while. And, and I get it. And you know, he's a multi-time all-star. He's an MVP level guy. He brought you no titles city of Houston. How many titles do you have since he came? None. And then when he was tired of your ass, he not only asked for a trade, he fully quit on that team. Mm-hmm. He went from putting up 30-plus points a night to putting up 15 points a night. He did not care about you. He did not care about the outcome of your team. And he left you as soon as the going got tough. Oh, and did I mention he brought you no titles? Why are we retiring this guy's jersey? It makes no sense to me. Dan, do you agree or disagree? <laughs> okay, I think I have to agree with you. Um, yes, okay, he made the Houston Rockets worth even mentioning you. We wasting a breath on the last few years, right? He, he made right. them semi-relevant. Um, but like you said, yeah, no, he brought them ultimately zero hardware. Um, and, and the thing is, this would be, and he, and he left in such a bitch way too. Right. That's the thing, too, he, right? He left in such a bitch, a bitch way. And so if you're going to draw any parallels, it's like the Raptors held off on retiring VC's number when he left. And there was a bit of bad blood there. And then they rekindled later down the road. And then there's fond memories. Sure. Right? And, then there, and then there's fond memories. You have to let a natural healing process go. I don't think letting a guy leave like that and then all of a sudden jumping and, 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 and you know catering to him and saying, we're going to retire his number like so instantly like that. Somebody who didn't really bring anything... Yeah, no, that 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 just kind of um, much like the basketball Hall of Fame, and also honestly, all the Hall of Fames nowadays, they're 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 becoming cheapened. Yeah, I, I guess other than arguably, um, maybe the baseball Hall of Fame has been like a little bit more stingy, but that that's what it comes down to. And I think for Jersey retiring, it also, you know, it is reliant on the franchise, right? So the the Raptors are a very, very new franchise, Mm -hmm. right? So really, we've only been around since 95. That's not that many years. I would say that Vince Carter shaped the landscape of basketball in Canada. So they, sh- if they should retire his jersey, he also played into his 40s. He's a- He left on bad terms, but he was an absolute class mm-hmm. act for the majority of his career. If they retire his number, I can fully support it. Even, I'm a huge DeMar DeRozan fan. Huge. I was devastated when he got traded. Mm-hmm. Do you retire his number? I'm going to say no. I think he can go down as one of the all-time Raptor greats. Mm -hmm. I think he's a great guy. I pray that one day, even at the end of his career, he puts the jersey back on. Am I retiring his number? Probably not. The only person I'm even really considering would be somebody like Kyle Lowry. Number one, he's been there forever. He signed multiple contracts. He's ridden through garbage years quietly. He's ridden through great years quietly. And he won a title for us, right? Mm-hmm, James mm-hmm. Harden has no titles. He was 
a dick, I would say, at least a quarter of the time <laughs> and all of the time towards the end of his time in mm-hmm, Houston. Mm-hmm. I think those first few years, you know, they, they hadn't seen success in a while. But Houston also has like a more rich a rich basketball tradition. And I don't think that his name needs to be in the Raptors. Rap, Raptors? No. In the Rafters. <laughs> In the rafters, yeah. And I'm just, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm angry. He pisses me off. He's on the, and, and then what even, why are you even announcing it now? I know. Do it when I he know. retires. In 10 years, if you're like, okay, you know what? Harden actually made such a big, big impact on the city of Houston. Let's retire his number. Then maybe I could be, hmm, let's think about it. Maybe I'm getting on board. He's literally competing against you now. He's shitting down your throat now, <laughs> now. And now you have John Wall instead of him, and you guys are way worse off. And, I mean, I, I just hate no, it. No, I feel you on that one. They're pulling the trigger way too early. And, again, I think they're doing it when emotions are high. And I don't think many people would have agreed if a month after VC left, they are like, let's retire his jersey, right? Exactly. Nowadays, we can, now we have the full chapter, the full saga. It's come full circle. The franchise and the fans have made amends and now can look back fondly. And now maybe it's the time to start discussing it. The Houston Rockets are idiots with that. Moving on, let me hit you with one, Josh. Not for nothing, but you may have noticed that the Jays and Rodgers, they garnered some goodwill this offseason by signing some key free agents, George Springer and Marcus Semien. And then they dashed that goodwill by getting <laughs> rid of the radio broadcast of the games to do a simulcast of the TV broadcast. What the hell am I hearing? What is this? So for somebody that doesn't understand, what does that even mean? So the the commentators, you know, Dan Shulman and Buck Martinez, the, one of the best teams in the league, so not a knock on them. I love Absolutely. them. Uh, yeah. You're just going to have literally a copy or a straight stream of that commentary straight to the radio. Uh, as I, I do believe that it's the only club to do it. All 29 other okay. teams looked at them kind of shocked, actually. Um, mm. and, and it's even more embarrassing when you look and see that they're owned by a media conglomerate. <laughs> yeah, and and you have a young, exciting a team. You have you yeah. you got the top free agent of the off season, and you want to bring the game to a smaller demographic because there's a huge demographic of of forty, fifty, sixty plus baseball fans, Blue Jays fans that love the radio broadcast, and the rest of us can agree that it's the sound of summer on a radio or in the car, right, on those mm-hmm. hot days, and. The most important part is that the description and the flavor of the commentary is tailored to no visuals, right? Right. So if you're hearing commentators, and again, I don't doubt that Dan Shulman and Buck Martinez, I'm going to give them a chance to pull it off, but it's a way different ballgame when you're describing it to an audience that can visually see what's happening on the field versus somebody who's in the car listening to the radio. So I, I just want to get your take on this. Have you heard of anything like this before? I have not, to be honest, but I will say that I'm 100% in agreement with you. I don't, like, off the top of my head, outside of baseball, I don't really know how it works. Like, I'm pretty sure the NHL, for example, like, the radio is a simulcast, so you still have the same, like, if you watch a Leafs game and you listen to it on the radio, I believe it is the same. I think so, too. I think so, too. We'll have to confirm that, but I'm I'm almost 90% sure it's the same. So I will agree with you, though, because I think that baseball is a little bit different. I think that hockey, the play-by-play is a lot faster. Mm-hmm. They do it in a way that I think it lends a little bit better to the radio, but I 100% agree. I think that you know the way that you describe something that you can visually see and that you can't is, is completely different. Like, for example, if, if they get... If they trail off and decide to talk about a story, that could be really interesting if you're watching the game because visually you can see it. If you're in the car 
you're not really hearing what is happening with the game. I'm sure they'll do their best where they go on like kind of a rant. And they're like, oh, okay, ball two. But you do miss quite a bit of it. And I, you could, I, f- I have a feeling that you're going to find yourself 20 minutes later being like, what fucking inning are we in? Yeah, no, I think that's going to be a big problem. I think um, it's going to be a problem with knowing the pacing of the game. Uh, it's going to be a problem with, you know, remembering what inning we're in, top, bottom, what team's up, stuff like that. Uh, hockey, like you said, it's a bit easier because you can say, you know, Tavares and, and Nylander coming together, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, Stuff exactly. that you would say yep. to even a television audience who might not be able to see the hockey players from far away, right? Because they can go all around the mm-hmm. ice. Baseball players mm-hmm. are in fixed positions. So, you know, you have to always be using their name. You know, you always have to be using you know, some sort of qualifier so that you can distinguish what's going on, right? And what the count is. There's so many moving things. And in baseball, there's also a lot of dead air too. So a lot of the times the radio right. broadcasters would, you know, have a little anecdote to share. And the, the commercials mm-hmm. were different, right? There's a charm to it yeah. that is yeah. is being lost, right? So it, it's just disappointing, man. It's just going <clears> to... <throat> I will say this though. Pardon me. Let me clear my throat there. I will say this. Um, I do think Rogers will backpedal before the season starts. You think so? I do, I do, I really do. I think there's a lot of backlash, and I think that they're going to look at it and say, well, hang on a second, like, don't we want to bring this brand new exciting team to as many people as possible? Yeah, I mean, I, the one thing I'll say is, though, is like, you know, we've seen Rodgers in some cases, you know, they're just trying to cut budget. Like, it's definitely cheaper if they just simulcast yeah, it, of right? Course. But I will say, though, I don't think that they're dumb. So my guess is that the value of what they're putting out to whatever the Toronto market is probably mm-hmm. isn't there, right? Mm-hmm. So I think baseball more so than most sports is is still very traditional. A lot of the fans are, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the diehards are quite a bit older. Their expectations are different. If you're a Texas Rangers fan, there are so many fans that would be outraged if you took it off the radio or at least changed the way that the radio dynamic was where – I'm going to maybe play devil's advocate in maybe Rogers is seeing that not that many people are listening mm-hmm. on the radio hey. or maybe they don't care. Hey, they right. Can. I, I, or maybe they just trust that their team can adapt enough that it'll be fine. I guess time will tell. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have one of the, you know, I, I love listening to blue Jays games. Oh, like, yeah. you know, Buck, Buck Martinez is, you know, he's an absolute certified beauty. I would be an absolute dream to have him on this show just to talk to him for five minutes one day because <laughs> that guy is just on another level of just professionalism and top of top of his class. So if anyone can do it, my buddy Buck can. Yeah, no, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Um, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, and, you know, absolutely, you raise a really good point. You know Rogers crunched the numbers once, twice, three times for sure. I want to hope that all the goodwill that they built up, they didn't dash it and throw it down the drain. <laughs> I want to hope. And uh, you know what? Thanks, Josh. You always have a way of talking me down from the ledge, and I, I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, we'll have to That's see. what I'm here for. We'll have to see. But anyway, let's move on to our final discussion piece, my favorite discussion piece, the jerk of the week. The jerk of the week this week is St. Louis Blues goaltender Jordan Bennington, and it's funny that we discussed sort of goaltender fall from graces earlier in the show because yes, yes, Mr. Yes. Bennington has <laughs> boom, fallen from grace. He's fallen from grace. He won the cup, uh, and he's fallen from grace to the point where against the San Jose Sharks this week, he was pulled. Um, I, I'm, I don't remember the score exactly at the time. I'm blanking a little bit right now. Um, but he allowed a bunch of goals, and on his way out, he... Faked to punch not only Eric Carlson, 
Um, but also Dylan Dubnik, who was in net, and another San Jose Sharks forward. He didn't hit them, as I understand it, but he went and with his hand and his stick and his blocker right in their face, really up close to try to get them to flinch. Like, what the hell is that? Josh, you're a, you're a formerly disgraced goalie yourself. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I think uh, I think I think we've all been there at some point in time. I would say it was kind of it was you know he threw a temper tantrum, right? So the Blues are on a three-game losing streak. He's out there hoping mm-hmm. to bounce back, and he gets absolutely chased out of the building. He gives up four mm. goals on 19 shots. Mm. He gets yanked his way on his way to the bench. He actually does shove one of the Sharks. Okay. Then they esc- they're escorting him off the ice because you know he's uh, he's got to cool down. It, it was you know he was going to go back to the dressing room for a bit he goes to fake punch Carlson in the face to try to make him flinch like we're fucking six years old on the playground (laughs) somebody should have dropped him right there the fact that they didn't is kind of a disgrace and it makes me upset that this is where hockey has become because if anything is worth getting punched in the throat that's it Mm -hmm. and then he's skating off the ice and and uh, it's Devin Dubnik, not, uh, not Dylan. So ah, Izzy shit. doesn't have to correct us next <laughs> week, but very close. <laughs> Sorry. So he he's skating off the ice, and, and and he confronts him, and they they you know he gives him a slash, and they kind of shove at each other. But how quickly he did not want to engage with with uh, Mr. Dubnik. So if uh, if we do like a quick tale of the tape, uh, Mr. Uh, I'm going to throw a temper tantrum. Bennington is. Six foot one, 175 pounds. I think that he re- realized he was in over his head, literally, when six foot six, 225 Dubnik decided to meet him before he exited the ice. Because for me, I think Dubnik was ready to scrap. So he, they, they shove each other, and the refs are not that close at that point. Bennington, this is your time, buddy. You want to be a big, tough fucking hockey player you should have dropped the mitts take on a bigger guy and you know what if you got to relieve some stress that that's the beauty of hockey but you're gonna go around and fake punch people and shove guys that you know can't fight you because you're a goalie and that will start a riot on the ice and then you get too close to the goalie to realize oh my god this guy will beat the living shit out of me and then you leave the ice that makes you the jerk of the week yeah no that was a bitch move bitch moment um and like i said i know it's been frustrating for bennington and he sort yes. of reminds me he kind of got the matt murray bite and I, I don't know why i keep mentioning matt murray this week i, I you love I gotta, you you do it every week you love i got a crush on the guy okay i'll just say it. i love him um <laughs> they won the stanley cup and then just boom poof just well, la- you know, like last year, he wasn't that bad. I would like this year's just been really up and down. His save percentage is not that bad, but they're not winning games. I, 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 I personally hope. I think he's going to bounce back. If you want my opinion, I think him as a goaltender will bounce back, but it's clearly getting to him. Of course, and that's the clearly. thing. Though. Like how mentally, how much mental fortitude can you have though? If that's the way you act though, so I don't. That doesn't lend me to believe that he's going to all of a sudden just. You know, kind of just, you know, shoulder it and move on and be like this tough guy because it takes a sort of mental strength to get through, you know, such a, you know, such a struggle totally. like that. Right. And he didn't he's not showing anything that shows that he possesses that. But, you know, I think he can. I mean, he's a Stanley Cup winning goalie at the end of the day. Right. So I think anything, yeah. the sky's the limit. But that was a poor display. That was a, a, a yeah. juvenile display. And yeah. again, I'll turn it again. You kind of mentioned it. What the hell? The Sharks, man. Take someone. Take them out. Dubnik. I know. I don't. I don't get it, man. I don't understand. Dubnik's I, older, I just, right? He's on the tail end of his yeah. career, sort of floating around. And, now, and take Dubnik's him out. not even that good. He's not even that good, no, man. He's not. This is your no. time. You should have squashed him. No. I mean, I, this is what kind of pisses me off about the NHL nowadays. I don't want to get into too much of like a an old head hockey rant here, mm-hmm. but hockey 
needs fighting. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It is too fast. It's too furious. There's too many battles that you can let people get away with just whatever they want. That's why it's there. If you hear players talk, it's the threat of violence that actually keeps it less violent mm-hmm. in, in a sense. Right? So it's like for this guy to go around and do this shit, I, I, I honestly, once he shoved the first guy, okay, he's a goalie. He's by the bench. Maybe somebody told him he was a fucking loser. He shoves him. You know, I could see them letting that go. But then you go by Carlson and fake blocker him. I don't know, man. Somebody's just got to take that helmet off and pound his skull in for a little bit. And, 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 and I, I, you know, I miss that. I miss that about hockey, Dan. I really, I really do. It's like a sad, <laughs> like, it's like a sad, like story to tell myself the youth version of me when I used to watch like Rock'em Sock'em and stuff like that. It's like, it's the hits, it's the fights, it's the goals, it's the saves, it's all of it. You can't take it out. It's like basketball with no passing i don't know like you you're not allowed to dribble anymore like they're going to turn it into european handball you got to take two (laughs) steps and get rid of it like i don't i don't like it and that's the end of that rant i am kind of happy this week though we had like more of a this type of jerk of the week because we've had some serious heavy jerks of the week in, in the last little bit so i'm glad that um we didn't have to go down that route again but daniel that brings us to the end of our episode Thank you to all you listeners. We are growing week over week. It is so great to see. Thank you. We appreciate it. You know, keep engaging. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram. Tell Dan why he sucks. (laughs) And most importantly, have a beautiful weekend. Thank you so much, everybody. Like I said, all the comments and all the stuff that people are putting on our Instagram posts, man, and all the the responses to the polls, they got me laughing. They get me through my work day. (laughs) They get me through my work week. Um, and yeah, Josh, I have a lot of fun with you too, buddy. This is, this was a great episode. So I hope everybody enjoys. Yes, sir. We will see you all as always next Friday. Stay safe. Jerky crew.